Welcome to Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose, where we pull back the curtain on running a financial advisory business focused on providing intentional advice to couples and families. I'm Dennis Morton. And I'm Katie Brown. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. All right, Katie, I think we're feeling sufficiently caffeinated to talk about estate planning today, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> I, I have a little bit more coffee left in here, so it may still ramp up. We'll have to see. Yeah, it was a little slow start to the day, but we're two cups in. I think it's feeling pretty good. But this is a good topic. You, you came up with this one to talk about estate planning, collaboration. What, what kind of prompted that in your mind? You know what prompted it? I feel as if I've had multiple conversations recently with families where they're trying to accomplish something. They're updating their estate plans. They're thinking through maybe some different changes. In the process, we've had different scenarios where the process has gone well, where I think we've had really good collaboration with the estate attorneys and, and things are set on the right track and they're being implemented. And then we've had some more challenging cases where there hasn't been enough communication. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's a little bit of a disconnect from sometimes what we hear from clients and then what we see put down on paper. Mm-hmm. We thought it'd be really good to, to visit this conversation and talk through where we show up as advisors, how we help support the process, and how that may be different from what an estate attorney may be delivering. Yeah. And just to, to be clear, when we talk about estate planning, it's not just trusts. Yes. This is an extension of a financial plan. And there's a lot of moving parts because sometimes people come to us and say, I think I need a trust. It's, it's more complex than that, right? Yes. The estate plan. And, and actually, maybe just to start with the basics then. So an estate plan at its most basic level is your wills, your powers of attorney. So the will saying where all of your assets will flow upon your passing, anything that does not have a beneficiary designation. And then the powers of attorney naming who those important trusted people are in your life that are going to help make decisions on your behalf when you cannot do that. That's the more basic plan. And then we can get into more sophisticated planning. And that's where the trust conversations come in. So if you were to draft like a script or a timeline for how someone kind of approaches estate planning, where do they start? How does it work best? Honestly, before you even get to the legal conversation of the documents, I think you need to start with the conversation of the why and the what. Mm -hmm. What are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to accomplish for you and your family? And why is that so important? And... All of that has to come first to be very clear on your goals and what you're trying to accomplish before there's the how piece of executing with the documents. People want to jump to the how sometimes. That, that happens in a lot of financial planning. We've talked about the, let's just get to the implementation. Yes. Like we have to pump the brakes a little bit and say, well, you could end up with something that might not be exactly what you want if you skate past the what and the why and, and some of those big questions. Well, because I think you have a much greater tendency if you're not clear on the front end for what the purpose of your money is and and your goals and how you're trying to achieve them, then I think it's very easy to fall into the, I don't want to say trap, but fall into the path of, well, what's the most tax efficient or numbers oriented way that we can accomplish something? Right. Right. And what you end up with on that side may be very different 
by the time it shows up for you and your family than what you intended. So you really have to put the work in on the front end. Yeah. One of our accounting friends uh, has said for years, be careful letting the tax tail wag the planning dog. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because I just want to avoid taxes. Well, you can do that, and you, but you might end up with some things that really aren't your intent in the first place at all. The estate planning conversation often begins with this idea of enough. Like, do I have enough to provide for this generation? If so, then you move on to how does it make its way to the next generation? And, and a lot of that, it starts with, a, with, with confidence. Which that's one of the reasons why we talk about confidence being the real outcome of financial planning. What role do we play in the estate planning process? Now, as a CFP, Certified Financial Planner, and then how does that transition over and become collaboration with an estate planning attorney, with a tax advisor? I love our role. I think it's a little different. It clearly is different. That's why you need your whole advisory team, because we're all going to bring a different expertise to the table. But we really start with the big picture and getting to understand the full financial landscape for our clients. As we go into that discovery, then there are a lot of conversations around, oh, well, why is this account here? How have things been funded? How have you approached financial decisions before? How how does this play into how you think about legacy in the next generation? And, and it naturally goes into, I'd say, some deeper conversations that get to that point of understanding a family's purpose behind their wealth mm-hmm. and those conversations around goals. So I think starting from that standpoint, that's a lot of the work that we do and that we have the privilege of doing with the families that we work with and the couples that we work with to really kind of understand both sides of the couple conversation too, Mm -hmm. because there might be some different perspectives. And so helping to bring that visibility and clarity. And then from there, we help the families to understand, okay, where do my other advisors come in? How, how does everybody play a role from that point forward? It's, it's hard to have a hot take on an estate planning conversation, but I'm going to give it a shot here. So I don't know if there's a human side of taxes or a human side of estate law, because those are very kind of cut and dry, legalistic tax code based conversations, but there's an intensely human side to the financial planning process. And I think the, the financial planner is a key transition conversation to take the human side of the family, run it through the relationship with money and how what it means to live a well-funded, meaningful life, and then transition it to the next generation via the estate plan. I agree. I do think that there are some really wonderful attorneys out there and CPAs out there where we can have a lot of that human conversation. We've talked before in other podcasts about simplicity versus complexity. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very easy to go into the technical. And at some point, they do have to cross that line into the legalese and into the, the technical. The human side of the conversation, I think, oftentimes starts with us. But when we get that great collaboration with another advisor that totally appreciates that, I think that helps to determine what the best technical pieces are to put in place. Yes. And this is true of all the professions, whether it's accounting, legal, financial, is that there are some places you go and you're going to get a boilerplate solution. I'm sure there are plenty of advisors out there where you walk in and you're getting their boilerplate investment solution, what they do for everyone. The same can be true of tax advice at certain tiers and legal advice. I think the key is if you're 
approaching the estate planning conversation, am I working with a professional who truly is tailoring this? Because oftentimes we'll hear someone say, hey, my buddy just got a trust. I think I need a trust. Well, what, what's your buddy's circumstance? Do you know? Does he know? Or, did he, or was he told by someone else that a trust was necessary? Yes, I definitely agree. And I think you're right. Be careful of the boilerplate approach. As you're having conversations with professionals, really pay attention to how much they're listening to you, how many questions they're asking, how interested in your specific circumstance they may be, and then also how open are they to collaboration with your other advisors, how willing they are to have those open-ended conversations and to invite others in. I think it's kind of the first step in assessing whether or not you're getting a boilerplate response or you're getting a true plan that is suitable for you and your family. Right, right. Let's let's kind of flip this to the other side. Say, when doesn't it work well? When, when have we seen estate plans go sideways? And frankly, we've seen them go sideways after someone's passing, when it's being you know actually executed, mm-hmm. but also in the planning process. I mean, there, there are instances where the estate plan is put in place and, and we're realizing that you know it's, it's done maybe before we're engaged with them. And we realize that none of this has been communicated, mm-hmm. that there's that there's an internal conversation that isn't ha- hasn't happened, isn't happening, and we need to go back and start communicating intent and, and everything else. It's a cart before the horse scenario. Where have you seen estate planning go sideways? I can think of two immediate examples of it uh, that are very common. The first one being very common is a new estate plan is put into place. There are beneficiary changes, and those beneficiary changes are not communicated for one reason or another. And it could fall down in a couple of different places. It could either not be communicated from the attorney to the client that, hey, this is put in place. Now you need to take step A, B, C to make sure it's implemented. Or sometimes that is communicated to the client, but they're also grasping all the other things that are happening in the in the estate plan, and, and they just may be overwhelmed with things that need to happen and they lose sight of making that change, making that update. And I know when we go into our client meetings, we look at all of our beneficiary designations before going into client meetings. And if there's a change or we know they're updating estate documents or we we see something that, that doesn't quite flow with how we understand things from a conversation, we're double checking that information. And just to hang on to that for just a second, because I think Beneficiary designations, I think, are sometimes misunderstood by clients as well. Mm. Have you have you encountered that in client conversations? Yes. Yeah. There's the qualified assets, non-qualified assets, you know, how, how those map. I think some of the confusion that comes through is I hear from clients say, all of my money will eventually go to my kids or, or will go to my spouse. And then we may point out, okay, but your IRA beneficiary does not say that. Mm-hmm. And they say, yeah, but my will does. Right. And and so just that reminder of if there's an existing beneficiary designation on an account, it does not go through your will. It's not going to follow through your your will or your trust document unless the trust is listed as the beneficiary. Now those beneficiary designations come first. Those other pieces may come second. And so I, I think there's oftentimes miscommunication there. Aside from beneficiary designations, I think one of the other places that I commonly see estates go sideways is when a couple, spouse and spouse, have either mirroring estate documents, 
So they look the same on paper, but perhaps it's a second marriage, a blended family, something else. They may name each other as primary beneficiaries first, and then their children, their individual respective children from their first marriages as contingent beneficiaries. But the problem is that there could be children that are left out in the mix then. So not spending enough time figuring out how everyone is being taken care of to the intended way that the parents wanted them to be. And there are many other ways that the wills from one spouse to another, like a mismatch there has an unintended consequence. Do you ever get the impression sometimes you sit with a client and say, can we take a look at your estate plan? And they kind of look at us cockeyed like that's like that's an odd question for their financial advisor to ask, but it's a really helpful document for us because we, we've seen the unintended consequences. Yes. And, and same thing with tax returns. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes when we request tax returns, it kind of catches somebody off guard too, because they're like, well, you're not my accountant. Right. Yes. But a lot of what we manage and a lot of what we do is highly connected to how it shows up in your taxes. And once again, beneficiary designations, and even just making sense of the conversations that we have and the understanding of their intentions around their money, how that flows, is that the same as what they have stamped down in their legalese? It's so important for us to be able to review those documents. I think there's there's sometimes this bias to believing that the estate plan is what happens when I die. But it influences so much what you do when you're living. Mm-hmm. Like, which asset should I be spending down? What's the best asset to inherit? How does it influence my gifting during my life versus what happens in my death? And so, you know, if, if you want somebody to be holistically advising you, sometimes holistic, you see, okay, we're looking at the whole picture right now. But think holistic, like now and into perpetuity. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the whole time horizon. The, another thing that I, I caution people as they enter the estate planning process or we start having these conversations is, be careful what you're giving up in the interest of retaining control or influence over what happens to your estate. Hey, I want to I want to save on taxes. Well, you might be giving up control of that asset in order to do so. Let's be careful because we focus a lot in the financial planning process on how do we build sufficient liquidity, a good balance of your real estate and your business and your cash and your investments and all those things, making sure there's never a liquidity pinch. But sometimes if you're not careful, you could create an unnecessary liquidity pinch in the interest of saving on taxes or, or gaining control. Yeah, or even adding in complexity that you may not recognize too. So I, I think another area that's sometimes confusing for clients too is the difference between income taxes and estate taxes. Oh yeah. Income taxes being what we all have to deal with on a year over year basis based on the amount of income that we generate, estate taxes being the tax that is applied to estates over certain exemption levels. So federal exemption now is about 13 million per individual. Pennsylvania has an inheritance tax, which is also part of the estate taxes. Those are payable upon death. But sometimes with the intent of saving on estate taxes, you actually create more income taxes and more income complexities. Just a Easy example is if you move money into an irrevocable trust, to your point, Dennis, you you lose some level of control of those assets because you've moved that out of your estate. Great, you're saving on future estate taxes, but now you have assets, potentially income generated inside of an irrevocable trust, which becomes its own tax paying entity. So now you have another tax return. You're subject to different tax rates, trust rates, 
to my knowledge, as far as I know, <laughs> going back in history, trust rates are always higher than individual rates based on the same level of income. So, so you may be increasing your current income taxes and the complexities that come along with filing your taxes now on a year over year basis to save on future estate dollars down the road. So just to be aware of that, because I, I think that catches people off guard as well. Yes. Let's talk about when people should revisit their estate plans. There was a, a flurry of activity a couple of years ago, right around the, you know, the 2020 election cycle about our estate laws going to change. Is there going to be a change in tax policy? People were, there was a little bit of a trend and estate planning attorneys were very busy at that time because people were revisiting their plans because they thought that the rules were going to change. I think anytime there's a major life event, you should be revisiting your estate plan. Anytime there's something that may happen to a, an individual that you have listed in your estate documents, you should be revisiting your estate plan. So if you have somebody listed as a trustee and perhaps they've had a health event or, or something else occurring, make sure that you're comfortable with the successor trustees or you may want to name a new trustee, just an example. I am always very leery of updating estate documents prior to changes officially being enacted because I think there's far more conversation about estate law changes than there are actual changes that come to pass. And oftentimes when when they do come to pass, it looks very different from the initial expectations of, of how it was going to show up. So I think it's very easy to get caught in a trap of making significant financial moves potentially if you're moving money in and out of an estate and, and now you have something irrevocable in place. Like you said, focus on liquidity, focus on flexibility. But I, I think after changes are implemented in the laws around us, then it definitely makes sense too to revisit your estate plan. Does it still make sense? So life events and tax law changes are the two primary times, I think, to update it. And just out of good habit, check in on it every five or so years, make sure that you still know what's in there and that you're still okay with it. And, and maybe get eyes on it to see if there are significant provision updates or something that could be helpful. Yeah. I think it's also a helpful check-in between spouses. Mm -hmm. Just when you go through that process every so often, let's dust it off, look at it. Is it still our intent? You talked about that, like to just making sure you're on the same page. I know we've done that as a family. You've done that with your husband, Deke, and, and just to say, are these still the things that are priorities for us? And those have changed. I mean, as our, especially as our, as our kids get older, that's a, a big portion of our, it's funny, the, the last person to see Gina and I before we became parents was our estate attorney. <laughs> we, signed, we signed off on, uh, we signed off on our wills at his office on, I think it was what would have been March 21st, 2006. The next day we became parents. So um, <laughs> things have changed since then. There's a few more kids involved. So we, we kind of revisit that from time to time to say our care of the kids was really important at that stage. Now we have a business notion of how that fits into the estate plan. Those life changes are important, you know, things to, to be cognizant of. Yeah. I think sometimes life can even creep up on you a little bit too. Like you may find yourself in a a different financial position than you were a few years earlier and maybe thinking about philanthropy differently and, and how that may show up either in your estate documents or 
an, an annual basis or otherwise and how you may make adjustments. Once again, revisiting beneficiary designations or intention behind insurances. I think sometimes the aha moment of, I think we're in a different place and we can think a little bit more broadly about how we want to support the ones around us or the places that are doing good work. Yeah, I, th- I think those have been some interesting conversations because with with like a multi-decade bull market, and I think people have ended up with sometimes more in liquid investments and assets, retirement plans than they ever expected to have. That, that comes up in conversation. They're also finding that maybe their kids don't need the same level of support that they thought they might or, you know, so it changes the, the dynamics of, okay, what is the residual? Where does it go? Is philanthropy something that we need to build in? How, how does that change over time? What do we give during our lifetime? What do we give at our passing? So I think that's an evolving conversation. Back to one of the initial parts of the conversation, what do we do versus what an estate attorney does and how maybe like a CPA fits in, et cetera. We do often start with that why, that purpose, and then we get to the how, and that becomes a great collaboration time with us and the families and the attorney, the CPA, others that may be able to help solidify and and bring in another perspective of what are the tax and legal ramifications of that how. And then you get to like the execution part of it. All right. So now we're all kind of on the same page with how things happen. Now let's divide out the work between who's executing what, what documents are being put in place. Mm -hmm. Do we need to shift assets around? Is there an insurance policy that needs to be taken out? You know, you might be funding like a life insurance trust, an islet, perhaps. So then you also want to bring in the CPA to make sure that we're doing all all the, the gifting properly. So we may each have our own roles in the process. And then checking in occasionally, the implementation piece, I think is another really good collaboration piece. So I think we all play different roles at different times. And, and it's important to to have those lines of communication open with the other advisors sitting around the table on behalf of the clients. So I think as I'm thinking about summing up this, this conversation, and really it's how do you navigate the estate planning process through your team of professionals? I like to think in terms of big rocks versus small rocks, you know, that analogy of when you're trying to fill, fill the jar, you know, don't fill it up with all the little rocks because then the big ones don't fit. Estate planning is a big rock. So when you're meeting with your financial advisor and you're engaging with them, make this one of the big rocks. We can talk about that, that stock you want to take a flyer on or what's, what the market's going to do next week. We can talk about those things. Those are little rocks. These are the things that we have to get right and make sure that we're aware of and checking in on. And it's a fundamental part of the relationship you have with your financial advisor. Yeah. And just a reminder that oftentimes it can be changed and updated. Careful of those irrevocable decisions, but a lot of the things that you have in the plan can be modified as you go. If it's not 100% perfect today, that may be okay because life will naturally refine how you're thinking about things. That was a a highly energizing conversation about estate planning. (laughs) Next up, taxes. Those are the best conversations. <laughs> no, I, I really enjoyed this. I think this was a good conversation about estate planning. Hopefully it helps to bring some clarity to people out there that sometimes wonder like, what do you do versus what somebody else does and who should I be leaning on when? So I, I hope this is helpful to, to all of our listeners out there. All right. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose. We hope you enjoyed getting to know us, how we approach leading a financial advisory practice, 
and the work we do every day to help families and couples make important financial decisions. Morton Brown Family Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This podcast is designed for educational and informational purposes and not intended as investment advice. More information can be found at www.mortonbrownfw.com.